Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. And uh, he's going to deliver it here. But I'd like for us to pray over him. And let's just pray that God would give the, let the, let the free flow of his spirit flow forth out of the word. Lord, Lord, touch Titus today. I pray, God, that you will minister to him and through him. I pray, God, that this congregation will receive the things that we know that you desire to do for your people. God, there are healing needs. There is deliverance needs. Praise God. And I pray that you will touch him and minister through him today. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 One more thing. Uh, I forgot about this. Uh, I know that uh, Sister Imogene uh, had passed from this life, and she was a very vital part of our church, and we, we love her and we miss her. Uh, but I can only imagine what she's doing right now in heaven, rejoicing and praising the Lord. Uh, but we do want to mention to you that uh, Tuesday the family has um, uh, set up a, a graveside service, which is not going to be at graveside, but it will be at uh, the cemetery here in Bethalto, Roselawn. And there is a building at the very back, which will be in that building. We'll have a memorial service there for her. And uh, if you could be there, it's Tuesday at 12 noon. Tuesday at 12 noon. And I know that, that uh, we all loved her dearly. And uh, we want to give honor to her. So God bless you today. Please remember that, Brother Titus. Praise the Lord, everybody. I'm just so thankful to be here in the presence of God. And I never want to... uh, forget how wonderful it is and how much strength we get from it. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength, like we sing today. But it also says, um, in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. And so we have to get into his presence if we want the joy of the Lord to do what it wants to do in us and to be our strength. Because we can choose joy or we can choose um, to let whatever is affecting us um, take hold of us. Whatever is coming against us take hold of us. But in the presence of God, we can decide that he's worth serving, that he's worth giving everything to. That's the joy of serving the Lord is when you give your all, it's a lot easier. (laughs) Well, I heard a story of um, a British guy who was trying to get from Birmingham to London And he stopped and asked for directions from a guy that was sitting in a van. And he said, sir, do you know the quickest way from Birmingham to to London? I've got to get there. And he said, well, are you you walking or are you driving? And he said, well, I'm driving. And he said, that's the quickest way. So I will try to drive today instead of walk. I'll do my best. If we could turn to the book of Haggai, chapter 1. Actually, first turn to uh, Haggai, chapter 3, if you will. And tell me when you get there, because I can't find it yet. (laughs) Haggai is really short. It's only got two chapters, so. 
But Haggai chapter 1, we're going to read, uh, we're going to read almost the whole, whole book today. So you can say, I read a whole book in the Bible today, or just about. Going to be bouncing around in this, in this book for a little bit. <clears throat> Haggai chapter 1, verse 1 through 11. I'm reading from the Amplified uh, Version. It says, In the second year of Darius the king of Persia, on the first day of the sixth month, that's August 29th, 520 B.C., the words of the Lord came to Haggai, the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of um, Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say, The time has not come that the Lord's house, his temple, should be built. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, saying, It is time for you yourselves to live in your expensive panel houses while his house of the Lord lies in ruins. Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways and thoughtfully reflect on your conduct. You have planted much, but you harvested little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not full of drink. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm enough. And he who earns wages earns them just to put them in a bag with holes in it. It Reminds me of owning a boat. My old coworker used to say, if you own a boat, then it's just a hole in the water. You're trying to throw money in to keep it from sinking. But these people were uh, earning wages, but it was like they were putting them in a bag with holes in it. The investment was a terrible investment because God had withheld his blessings. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways and thoughtfully reflect on your conduct. Go up to the hill country. Bring lumber and rebuild my house, the temple, that I may be pleased with it and be glorified, says the Lord, accepting it as done for my glory. You look for much harvest, but it, it comes to little. And even when you bring that home, I blow it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house, which lies in ruins, while each of you runs his own house, eager to enjoy it. Therefore, behold, you, that is, your sin and disobedience, the heavens withheld the dew of the earth and withheld its produce. I called for a drought on the land and on the hills and on the grain and on the wine and on the oil, on what the ground produces, on men, on cattle, and on all the labor of your hands. I just want us to pray uh, one more time and just ask God to speak to us today and that we would just open up to what he wants to do in this place. Lord, we thank you, God. We praise you. We glorify you, God. We are believing right now, Jesus, that you're going to settle our hearts right now, that you're going to calm our minds, God, that you're going to speak to us, Jesus, where we're at right now. I pray that every heart would want to be prepared, Lord, for what you want to say, God, that every heart would receive what you intend to speak, God. I just want to get out of the way and let you do what you want to do, God. We are believing right now that you're going to do that. And we thank you for it, Jesus, in your mighty name. Hallelujah. Sister Tanya, can you put that picture up for me? So I wanted to show you guys a picture today. of. I know we are all pretty familiar with what happened in, uh, in Maui last year where the fires were um, consuming a, a, a huge island there. And it was said that there were people running for their lives from this fire that was burning faster than they could run. And multiple people lost their lives in this fire. And um, there were people that were actually fleeing to the waters, fleeing to the ocean. There was even people that drowned in the ocean because they were trying to escape the flames. And I, I don't know how well you can see that picture there, but that what is circled there is 
is a um, apostolic church, and it's hard to kind of make out with this picture being uh, blown up. It was the only one I could find, but basically in the picture, all the buildings around it are burnt. There's foundations that you're seeing in that picture, and that's pretty much all that's left all around that, but that church remained. God protected that church, and and this fire, it was just so devastating for so many people. But for some reason, God allowed the house of God to remain through that. And I want to talk to you today about the house that remains, the house that remains. So when we're reading this story of Haggai, this is God being very straightforward with his people and with the leadership over his people. He was talking to the governor or kind of, kind of the king almost of this area of, of people that had came back to Israel after they were cap, captured by um, the, the, Babylons, the Babylonians. And they had been in captivity for several decades at this point. And God had allowed a remnant through, through um, one of the kings of, of Persia he had allowed a remnant of the people to go back and to build this house, build these walls, build the, the city of Jerusalem back up. And so there was a lot of opposition, a lot of things against them. You can read about it in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah. All the opposition that came against them, uh, you know, conflict between the people working, conflict with the people around them, conflict with... Uh, keeping the vision of what God wanted them to do, learning how to fight and to work at the same time. And so this work kept going, but then at one point it, it, it stopped due to what opposition was against them. And so for 16 years at this point, Haggai, in, in, the, in the day of Haggai, it was 16 years that the temple had been sitting there not being built. 16 years that God's house was still in ruins, partially built, laying there, while other people built up their houses, built up their comforts, while the people of God had no place to dwell. They had no place to come together. They were only concerned with their own agendas. They were only concerned with what was comfortable for them. Their motives were off. They had the wrong attitude about the things of God. And so they were building up their kingdoms, their small kingdoms, building up their homes, making things comfortable for them in this, in this place. Well, at least their home, at least that they have comforts, at least they have each other as far as their own family. And so... God was trying to get their attention, and he spoke to the leadership first, and he said, these people don't think it's the time to build the house of God. But God was saying, now is the time to build the house of God. If you have the strength to build your own homes and to build your own comforts and to build your, your own small little kingdoms, insignificant things compared to this eternal house of God, the thing is, is people didn't realize that they were investing into things that just wouldn't really last or wouldn't last beyond their own life. These people, they were so interested in trying to get the paint right on, on, the, on their kitchens and they were so interested in trying to get the siding good on the outside of their homes and it even uses the word paneling. I don't know what kind of paneling they had, but they were trying to do a little bit more than just build some walls and to live in. And I'm not preaching. I'm going to be talking a lot about the house of God. And I'm not just talking about this building here. Mostly I'm talking about us. We are the temple of God. And we together unified are the kingdom of God and the temple of God. We are a reflection of God's house. But I'm not, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with 
what they were doing. And God's not really saying anything is wrong with building a house, making comforts. But it was the priority of what was most important that was the problem. Where their focus first went to was themselves, was their own needs and their own wants and their own desires. But they forgot about the house of God. They forgot about how good it was for brethren to dwell together in unity in the house of God. They didn't consider the things of God first. They considered themselves first. And God twice in this scripture says, consider your ways and thoughtfully reflect on your conduct. When was the last time that we really looked at our own priorities? Really looked at what our mind goes to first when it comes to this life. When it comes to our family and their needs. When it comes to ministry even. You can keep yourself very busy and not do anything. Even in ministry. But the house of God was, was of utmost importance. The house of God was what should have been their first focus. And so God was calling them out. And he said, everything that you're trying to do, you, these people may not have known that their harvest wasn't that great. Or what it could have been if their priorities would have been straight. They, you know, who puts money in a bag and doesn't know there's holes in it? Obviously, if you keep doing that, you're crazy. Or you don't know there's holes in the bag. You don't know there's a problem. But there was a clear problem with this situation and with what was happening. What The place that they were living, in other words, was so much lower than what it should have been. But they didn't even understand that because their priorities were lost. Their priorities were messed up. God was trying to get their priorities straight for him for his glory and for them because he knew what they needed the house of god is it's everything to the believer the house of god is is more important than than anything else in this life our temple the temple of god that dwells within us that is of utmost importance more than what we put on more than what we eat more than what we drink more than what we do bible says in psalms 27 verse 4 through 6 it says one thing this is david the man after god's own heart the man that knew god more than probably any man has ever known god and will ever know god in this life one thing have i asked of the lord the top priority in my life, the one thing I need is that that's what I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple, to seek the Lord with everything. That was the top priority for David. It says, for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Sounds like a man that has his priorities straight. It sounds like a man that is confident in the God that he serves and where he's at in his relationship with God and in every relationship that comes after that. That's one desire, the top thing in David's life that all of us need to understand that that has got to be what is our priority is the seeking after the things of God. <clears throat> and I'm not trying to be so general here today. There are specific things that we could do and we need to do in order to make this a reality. And I'll talk about that in a second. But I want to read Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through 49. 
We've heard in some of you, if you went to Sunday school, you probably remember the man that built his house upon the sand and the man who built his house upon the rock. And uh, what does the song say? The rain came down and the flood came up. We used to have a book about that. I thought, man, that would be so cool to have a house that's built in rock. Think about how well you could sleep in. There's a house, there's a couple houses, I think, over down 140 that are like built into the side of a hill. I'm just like, I mean, what's the resale value of that house? I mean, do you, like, is that, is there a market for that? I mean, it's just wild that somebody was like, you know what, let's do this. Everybody's doing this, but let's do this other thing. But the house that's built on the rock in that story, it was going to stand. And this says, this is Jesus talking. And he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? He was making a point to somebody. Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I will show you what he is like. He hears and he does it. What is he like? He's like a man who built a house, who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. So he found the bedrock. When they're building skyscrapers in New York City, they're not like, you know what? This swampy clay will work. Let's build 100 stories here. Only a foolish person would do that. Or somebody like me who knows nothing about what they're doing. Which could be foolish in the right circumstances like that. But you find the bedrock. There's a reason why there's so many skyscrapers in New York and Chicago. Because they found where to build them on. They found that bedrock. They found that steady foundation. So this man was listening and hearing the voice of God and obeying was like a man that built his house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. The foundation for his family, for the structure of his family, was built on obedience to God. When the Bible tells him to rise up, to lay down, to have have the word of God always before him, to teach it, Teach it to his children. He's building deep on the foundation and obeying the word of God. We need to open up our Bibles in our homes and talk to our kids. Have Bible studies with our kids. We need to have prayer time with our children. I think they need to hear us pray. I think that There's times when you should pray alone, but there's times when you should come together and pray with your family. And I think there's times when you need to crack open the Bible, put it before our kids see, uh, or have our kids see us reading the Bible, have our kids see us talking about the Bible. But this man, he built his house upon the rock. And when the floods arose and the streams broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been built well, or well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground with, without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruins of that house was great. Just a stream coming against it knocked it over. I mean, you could walk across the stream. That's a pretty terrible house. But we, we are building foundations. We are building foundations whether we like it or not. Whether we agree with it or not, we are building foundations. But it depends on what we're building them upon. We need to consider our ways and thoughtfully reflect on our conduct. It's okay to live this life. And to do things and to have fun and to, you know, make our homes nice, make our families uh, have what they need. There's nothing wrong with these things. Those are good things. But what I'm talking about today is, is all about our priorities, our motives, our attitude toward the things of God. We have to do some action today. 
It says in Haggai verse 2, or chapter 2, verse 10 through 14, it talks about um, God asking a question to Haggai. And he's talking about um, holiness versus uncleanness. It says on the 24th day of the ninth month, December 18th, if you need to know that, in the second year of Darius, by the way, I know I said the ninth month and I said December. That's because the Jewish calendar is completely different than ours. So I'm not like losing my mind up here. But in the second year of Darius, the, the, the word of the Lord came to Haggai, the prophet, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, ask the priest for a ruling. If a man carries meat that is holy because it has been offered in sacrifice to God in the fold of his garment and touches bread or cooked food, or wine, or oil, or any kind of food with its fold, does what he touches become holy or dedicated exclusively to God for his service? And the priest answered, no. Just because something is holy and it touches something else that's holy does not make that other thing holy. And then he says, if one who is ceremonially unclean because of contact with a corpse touches of any, any of these articles of food, will it be unclean? And the priest answered, it will be unclean, ceremonially unclean, like sin is infectious. And Haggai answered, so is this people and so is the nation before me, declares the Lord. And so is every work of their hand and what they offer there on the altar is unclean because they who offer it are unclean. So in other words, what God is saying is the process of being made clean or holy before God requires intentional effort. To be holy requires an intentionality, intentional effort to pursue the things of God. It doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen by coming to church and sitting in the pews. It is not something that happens automatically like as soon as we are saved. It's a pursuit. We call it the Holy Ghost when we get it. But that's not just making us immediately holy in every area and aspect of our life. It is something that will help us to be created holy every day as we choose to let the Spirit do the work. And let the Spirit overtake everything that we are, that's holding us up, that is is confusing us, that is dismaying us. But it's, you got to be intentional to be holy. But it's very opposite of what is true about being unclean. So the lesson for the people was that they had not taken appropriate action to deal with their uncleanness. Their failure to rebuild the temple created a cloud of disobedience over all they did. You don't have to work to be unclean. We are naturally humanistically um, selfish. We are selfish to our core, naturally. As babies, we always want the attention. We always want it. It's in our nature. People that naturally pursue a life of of self-indulgence are the most selfish people in the world. It's just constantly about them. And we should know by now, when we've been talking about being one, being the body of Christ, being one with God, being one with each other, being one as a church, we should know by now that what we do affects other people. Being intentional about being holy, it affects other people. Being unintentional and being unclean and choosing to live a life of selfishness And always making every situation, no matter what it is, all about us, is detrimental to this church. It's detrimental to the move of God. It's detrimental to everything that God's trying to do through us. Because we need to be unified. We need to be one. We need to be holy as he is holy. So God is making a huge point here that just because someone chooses to be holy, it doesn't mean that other people can be close to them and be holy. you got to make a decision for yourself today. There's actions that we can take 
actions that we can take to pursue after and to make our eyes turn to focus upon the house that's going to remain. We got to shift our focus upon God instead of us. We got to realize that this life is so much more than about us. It's about him. It's about Jesus. We have to also learn to obey and teach our children the word of God. We got to obey the word of God and we got to teach our children to obey the word of God. We got to pray in our homes. We've got to teach them how to worship. We've got to teach them. We've got to live by an example. Just because your holiness, um, someone can't touch you and become holy because you're holy, but they can see your example and be inspired to pursue God. They can be inspired by your, your pure attitude of love and of grace and of patience. <clears throat> we got to build the house in our home. We've got to build the house of God in our own homes. We've got to give all that we have to internal investments, internal things that are going to last. That doesn't mean I'm not preaching against any investments. I'm just saying that priorities, priorities, the house of God, priorities. We've got to learn to ignore our past failures our past inconsistencies, our past deficiencies. These people had no way of building this temple anything like what Solomon had built it. They had no way of, of finding the gold and the silver and all these things that, that Solomon had. I mean, that temple was immaculate. It was covered in gold. These people couldn't look to that and say, man, we're not going to do it because... Because we can't make it like it used to be. They can't look at past failures, past mistakes, generations that died not building the house of God. They couldn't even look and say, I've never done this before, so I can't do this. They couldn't look at their deficiencies. It was time for them to move forward. It was time for them to focus on the house of God. They had to decide to do the work of the Lord now. Right now. Just like we have to decide today to do the work of the Lord right now. And not wait any longer. Not wait for another better year. Another better raise or, or the, the, the resources that we think we might need. It's time to do the work of the Lord right now. It's time to find a disciple. To disciple somebody, even if it's your children. What better disciples to have than your own children? Because unknowingly you're going to disciple them anyway in the uncleanness of your life. If you choose to not pursue holiness. It's going to happen. They're going to learn from you. So they might as well learn that their priorities should lie in the house that remains. So when we do these things, when we obey the word of God, God gave them a promise in Haggai. He told them exactly what he was going to do because God does not just bark orders at us. He doesn't just you know, just throw us out there and give us no help or no hope or no, no way of doing it. You know, he's not manipulating us. He's not up there in the clouds laughing at us because we're failing. That is not God. God gives promises every time he requires something. He gives us a promise. God gave them a promise in Haggai chapter 1, verse 12 through 14. Right after, right after they chose to obey, it says, Then Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people who had returned from exile, listened carefully, and they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the word of Haggai the prophets. 
since the Lord their God had sent him. And the people reverently feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people saying, I am with you. What a great promise that is. I am with you. God is with us today. You felt him. I felt him. His presence is here. And there's no, um, you know, sound wave that's going to take that away from us. There's no bleeding ears today that's not going to be able to hear the voice of God from now on. But God said, I am with you. I am with you. What else do you need? Anything else on top of that is just going to be just the cherry on top. I mean, we already have everything we need because God is here. He says, I am with you. So the, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. God stirred up their spirits. When we obey and we fear the Lord in a holy reverence, he will be with us. He will be with us. The Lord stirred up their spirits, that inner desire that they had to serve the Lord. God stirred it up as they started turning to work. As they, the moment they chose to obey, God started stirring in their spirit that inner desire to do the things of God. And then it says in, in Haggai 2, 4, and then 6 through 9, it says, But now be courageous, Zerubbabel declares the Lord. Be courageous also, Joshua. And be courageous, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. And work, for I am with you. Again, I am with you twice. And then it says in verse 6, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more in a little while I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth and the seas and the dry land, and I will shake all the nations, and they will come with the desirable and precious things of all nations. And I will fill this house with glory and splendor, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house will be greater than the former. Wait a second. How could you beat Solomon's temple? How could you have it better than that? His glory will make up for it. His glory will make up what lack of 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 uh, veneer that they have, what lack of, of exotic woods and, and, and gold and silver that they don't have. The latter glory of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord. And in this place I shall give the ultimate peace and prosperity. Peace and prosperity. God's going to shake the nations <clears throat> And the desire of all nations will come, and he will fill the house. And he says, the latter is going to be greater. The latter is going to be greater than the former things. What we've seen so far God do in this house, it's going to be greater. It's going to be greater as soon as you start deciding today that you're going to do it now. That You're not going to wait any longer. You're not going to pursue Holiness some other day, but it's going to be today. And it's got to be today. It has to be today. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what it's going to be like in a few hours from now. We've got to decide today, right now, that we are going to pursue God with everything. We're going to pursue the house of God with everything. And God promised us a place of peace and prosperity. God's promise or his plan is for us to be together and to be one because he is one. God is one. We are a people of the name. We are a people that believe in one God. We don't believe that God is split into different beings. There is one God and Jesus is his name. And that example right there of God being one, he only needs to be one. He doesn't need to be more than what he is. He is one. 
And we are called to be one as he is one. We are called to invest everything into the house that remains. The world may never remember us. They may never remember our accomplishments. Um, you know, I, I've never met the people that moved into my house. They didn't thank me for redoing some of the flooring in there. They're, they're not going to know me. They're not going to remember, you know, whoever buys it from them in who knows how long. Or in a hundred years, if the house stands another hundred years, no one's going to remember me. I don't know who lived in it before. I've heard a little bit, but... I don't know those people. No one's going to remember who put that wallpaper up. They know they'll be like cursing at them when they have to remove it. But they're not going to remember who put up the wallpaper or no. You know, if you go to Goodwill right now and you're looking for like a coffee table or something, you're, you're not going to know who built that coffee table. You're, you, and, and, you know, if you plan on redoing it, you may not even appreciate the way that they did it the first time. The world may not remember our accomplishments. They may not remember what we did in our own houses, what we did to build up our own kingdoms. People may not remember us for very long or maybe one or two generations after us maybe. But they will remember the house you helped build. They will remember that you preserve future generations and made a pathway for future generations to be able to feel the presence of God, to connect with the presence of God, to learn that truth that's so sacred that we hold so dear today. Again, I, I echo these words that God said in Haggai 1 verse 5. It says, consider your ways and thoughtfully reflect on your conduct. Most of the time... It's something subtle. It's something that we never really put our finger on of what has caused us to lose sight. Like Brother Micah said today, don't lose focus. I couldn't have said it better myself. We lose focus and we lose track on what is actually important. And I'm not going to stand here listing anything that you should get rid of or do or whatever. That's... That is something that really it changes from person to person. I mean, there are some things that are very clear, that are very much against the word of God. But there are some things that may be good for you, but maybe are not good for others. I mean, there's people that they, you know, they, uh, they can't cook food and, and do, do all that because, because they're so obsessed with it. That they're just completely obsessed with doing that all the time. And that's all they want to do. There's people that build things and create things. that That's all they want to do. It depends on, on who you are and what, what you and God decide to do. Honestly. And your motives behind everything that you do. So I could sit here and preach against everything if I wanted to. That would be a total waste of time. Because we all got our things. We all got our stuff. But I, I, I am deciding today that the time is right now for me, for my family, that we're going to pursue the things that remain, the house of God that remains, the things that, that are going to outlast me, the things that are going to outlast my legacy and my heritage that may not really mean anything in a couple years, may not really mean anything in a hundred years from now. But what God is wanting to do in this last day, it's got to happen through us, it's got to happen through somebody. So why not it be us? Why not it be you and me? It's got to be us. And we talk about, you know, the house of God. The word, uh, the word Bethel is the house of God. That's what it means, the house of God. And I think it's kind of a little bit ironic that we live in a town called Bethalto. This place is meant to be the house of God. This, this city is meant to experience the house of God, the presence of God. And we are called to reach this city. But if we don't reach them, who else is going to reach them? We can't rely on what, what may be, what, what, what could be. We've got to do it. 
So I'm asking you today, do you value what God values? Are you working to become one with your brothers and sisters today? Are we getting caught up in our own petty kingdoms, looking out for number one, the only one we know is ourselves, and that's it? I'm, I'm, I'm believing that that spirit is going to be destroyed in this place. Because whatever kind of seeds that we plant, they're going to grow. Whatever kind of seeds we plant, there's going to be something that grows from it. There's going to be bitterness. There's going to be hurt. There's going to be rebellion if we plant those seeds. But there could also be love and kindness. Who couldn't use some kindness right now? Who couldn't use hug, a hug or, or just I love you or I care about you or I'm praying for you? Who couldn't use that? We forget that people that look like they have it all together are actually going through quite a bit sometimes. It would really shake us to the core if we really knew people's thoughts and what they think about themselves and how little they think about themselves. I know because I'm one of them. I know because sometimes I struggle with that. But when I come into this house and someone gives me a hug and someone tells me they love me, it changes everything. It changes my attitude it changes my, you know, my heart, knowing that somebody cares. And that's what this place is meant to be. This place that remains is the place that this world can be saved and can be healed through. I want to close with this uh, scripture in Ephesians 2, 13 through 22. The musicians could come. I feel like Sister Janae actually said, read this scripture or was hitting around the same idea about the temple um, and being one. I know she used some scriptures around here. But, so if you don't think God is speaking, God's trying to speak to us today. I've heard it multiple times from different people being one church. You know, focusing on what really matters and being one. But it says in Ephesians 2, 13 through 22, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's powerful. We are far off, so far from anything that even made sense, so far from anything that was comfort or strength or peace. We were so far from that. But His blood brought us near. I just picture a wave of His blood carrying us to the shores of grace. It says, For He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing walls of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. That he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace. When you come together it, it always makes peace. The reason this world is, is, is fighting, there's wars, is because they, they couldn't come together. They couldn't come together. Because when you come together... You have to humble yourself. When you come together, you have to sometimes ask for forgiveness. Hey, I, I took something that didn't belong to me. Hey, I, I said something I, I shouldn't have said. I, I, I got an attitude with you. I'm sorry. That creates peace faster than you could ever possibly imagine. But God, so making peace... And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. Thereby killing the hostility. What God did for us on the cross should be enough to kill all the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. 
For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, only by his blood. And it says here, this is the highlight, if we could all stand. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Someone did a lot of work for us. And we're standing on that foundation today. And Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. The perfect starting point. That's Jesus today. As it always has been. That perfect starting point. If your foundation's crumbled... If you're not really sure where to start, start with Jesus. Always start with Jesus. That chief cornerstone is calling today. Built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. In whom the whole structure being joint together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And then it says, in him... You also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We're being built together, or God's trying to build us together today. He's trying to build a house that's going to remain. What are you spending your time doing? What are you teaching your children? What am I teaching my children? What am I saying to them without saying to them? What are my actions doing? Am I just saying, you need to serve God, we need to serve God, and then I just kind of ignore God? Or is my focus on the things, the house that stays forever? That we can say, I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And build this together. Because dangerous houses, they get torn down or they get condemned. We don't want to be a church that's a church that can be condemned because of our actions, because of our attitudes, because of what we're doing outside the church and then bring it in to the church. Because God's wanting us to build this house and build up each other. And so I just wonder if there's anyone today that would do what the Bible says and bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. And let's start with Jesus today. Because he is the chief cornerstone. And he's the perfect starting place. I wonder if we could come to the front today. It may be good to kneel it may be good to stand and pray but maybe even when you're done praying for a little bit why don't you find somebody to pray with someone that you can bear their burdens and build up somebody hallelujah hallelujah God you're calling today to strengthen the things that remain God hallelujah Help us, Lord.